This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, one of the world's foremost educators in the area of performance training, personal training, and athletic rehabilitation, Michael Boyle, is joining me to discuss how we should exercise as we age, the three things you must do to stay healthy, fit, and pain-free. As a former athlete and someone that is creeping up into their 40s, exercise is more important now than ever. Michael Boyle is the co-owner of Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning. Boyle has been involved in training and rehabilitation with a wide range of athletes, including stars in every major professional sport. Michael's also served as a consultant to some of the top teams in the NFL, NHL, as well as numerous Division I athletic programs. In addition, Mike has been involved in Olympic gold medal efforts in women's soccer, women's ice hockey, gymnastics, and judo. In 2012 and 2013, Boyle was a strength conditioning consultant to the Boston Red Sox, winners of the 2013 World Series. And from 1991 to 1999, Boyle served as the strength and conditioning coach for the Boston Bruins. Boyle has also served as a strength and conditioning coach for Boston University. But before we get into this discussion, please take two seconds and smash the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you're listening on. This is one of the best ways that you can help support the podcast. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Coach, so excited to have you with us today. I'm excited to soak up some of your wisdom. I got a question for you. I just turned 41, a former athlete, and I can definitely feel my body changing. Um, You've worked with elite athletes your entire career. You've also trained people in general population. You have an immense amount of experience from kids to adults. As you age, what types of exercises and specific movement patterns or things should we be focusing on as we age? So not so we age well, but we can keep thriving as we age. So a couple things. One, uh, I think the best analogy to get people to understand what the aging process is like, and I love, I said, I'm an analogist, which I don't even know if an analogist is a thing or a word, but I'm definitely an analogist. I always use the analogy of the transition from filet mignon to beef jerky. That's the journey of life in terms of aging. You go from this sort of, like you said, you're an ex, you're an athlete, you've got great muscle tissue, everything works great. And then by the time you get to the Mike Boyle stage at 62, you're kind of this crunchy, crumbly beef jerky thing that you're trying to keep patched together. The other really good analogy is that aging is like cement. If you're working with cement, if you keep the cement moving, the cement doesn't harden. If you let the cement sit there, it'll harden really fast. And somebody said, I think it was a guy named David Whitley that was a kettlebell guy, said motion is the lotion, which <laughs> I loved. So when you start thinking as you age, what should you do? One, uh, to, to not, uh, to paraphrase Prince, you should not lift like it's 1999 or 1989 or 1979. And I think that's the biggest problem is that most of us in this age bracket have no idea how to work out. So what do we do? We do what we did in high school or we do what we did in college. We, we try to do bench press and squat and do things that are just not particularly joint friendly. So I think when, and you had mentioned reading my book in 2004, but when you think about the idea of functional training, I always think about joint friendly training, doing things that don't hurt. Mm. It is amazing how many people 
do things in spite of, oh, yeah, that bothers my shoulder or that bothers my back. And common sense tells you, well, then don't do that. But there's all this common sense. And we've got a really successful adult program now because I, I think it's because we make everybody foam roll. We make everybody stretch. We make everybody warm up. So as we age, we have to realize that those are kind of your big three, really. Foam rolling, stretching, warm up. Then find some joint friendly strength exercises that you can do. Have a really good ratio of pushing to pulling. Make sure that you work your legs. I mean, I can't tell you again, when you're talking about this demographic, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I don't, I don't do any leg work. I run. And I mean, that's, there's so that's a recipe for disaster. Right. So many incredible misconceptions that people are dealing with. And then it's that ability to say, okay, when you do leg work, let's do unilateral leg work. Let's incorporate a balance component. Because again, as we age, the, the big thing that we lose as we age is our balance and our athleticism and our power. So we need to try to figure out how do we maintain those things in a way that makes sense for an aging population. Mm. And that's not, again, I think that was one of the huge failings of CrossFit was trying to make Olympic lifters out of adults. Adults aren't made to be Olympic lifters. They're just going to get hurt. You're just going to chew them up and spit them out on a pretty regular basis. So you'll have a pretty big churn as you try to do that stuff. So for us, if you're an we orthopedic to, surgeon attached to the CrossFit box, it's doing. That. I said that I said that years ago. I said that would be the ideal situation that CrossFits should open up actually as part of hospitals. <laughs> so you you put one right next to the hospital, and then someone legitimately just has to walk next door and arrange for their surgery or whatever it was. So you'll see. I'll give long answers to short questions, but hopefully that. No, this is great. So foam rolling. Well, uh, real quick about foam rolling. Help people with a little bit of the science behind that. Like, why do you get on this dense piece of foam and roll your tissues? Well, I don't, you know, I think sometimes I try to stay away from the science part when we're talking about general public. And again, I try to give simple analogies, tenderizing meat. You know, why do you, why do you bang on a chicken breast before you cook it? Well, you do that to tenderize it because you know, it's going to taste better, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at foam rolling as simply self-massage and thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to tenderize this tissue. I'm going to try to make my, my beef jerky more filet mignon esque before I start to move or try to move. That's going to be beneficial. The one thing about foam rolling is that we know that it works. We don't particularly know why it works. When you look at any of the, the pain science kind of work, there's a lot of theories. When you think about acupuncture and acupressure and massage, a lot of that stuff is very theoretical. There are not really sound scientific rationales for all of these modalities that have been really effective over a really long period of time. But we know that it does work. I go back to the, the Myers idea. If you've read Anatomy Trains, of he talks about tissue being locked long and locked short. So the average adult is sitting for a big part of their day, which means that their pectorals, their abdominal muscles, their hip flexors, a lot of the stuff in the front of you is going to become more collagenous in a shortened position. Mm. On the backside of you, a lot of that stuff is going to become more collagenous in a lengthened position. When you think about foam rolling, I feel like you're, that's your attempt to battle that tissue change and to make things more malleable. I, you know, again, analogy, silly putty, right? Or um, no, Play-Doh. If you get kids with Play-Doh, right? If you leave the Play-Doh out, what happens? It gets, it gets, hard, it gets right? hard, brittle, and it breaks right. apart. And then if you want to get the Play-Doh back, what do you do? Add a little water. Yeah, add a little water. Move it around. 
and move it around and roll it, right? You yeah. roll it in your hands. So I think if you start seeing your body in a more simplistic sense, as opposed to trying to come up with, hey, what's the scientific rationale for why this works? I just know, even with foam rolling, you get lots of spinal adjustments. You get a little what you know what they call coaption, release of pressure in the joint capsules, back cracks, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. And all of that stuff is good for you. We're trying to get things back. We're trying to again undo that cementization of the body that goes on for the average adult because again you're turning to stone right and you're going to turn to stone in the position that you're in most often which is sitting at your desk commuting that's why even a lot of times we'll ride bikes but i you know i'm not a spin bike person well you will use the dual action airdyne assault type bikes get people upright get them out of hip flexion get them out of trunk flexion we as adults continually put ourselves in bad positions that are reinforcing the things that we don't want to have happen to our body. Yeah. I'll tell you something that you really hit on earlier too, is you you just said it briefly is the warm up. I remember a coach, I don't know, this is 10 years ago telling me he's like more of my workout becomes warm up. And now I'm spending 20 minutes easily warming up, just moving a lot of planes because somebody told me once, like when you're, you know, when you stop moving, you die. And, yeah. you know, you need to circulate fluids and then you want to be moving in all these different planes. I think we, I see adults like now that I'm not working in a professional gym, I'll go to the local gym and people just walk in and hit the weights and they wonder why they're getting hurt. We need to get our bodies ready. How long does it take you to warm up? Um, all I do is warm up. I, I, <laughs> I spend way more time warming up than I do working out. I think if you looked at it in terms of decades and said, you know, let's compare decades to an hour and we'll go up to age 60. I would look at the 60-year-old and think, if you spent the whole time foam rolling and stretching and warming up, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. If you were 50 and said, I spent 50 minutes rolling and stretching and warming up, and then I lived for 10 minutes, I'd be fine with that. If you were 40 and said, I spent 40 minutes foam rolling and stretching and warming up, and then I spent 20 minutes lifting, I'd be fine with that. Because that would have the 20-year-old at about a 20-40 ratio mm. in terms of 20 minutes to get ready for the workout, 40 minutes to work out. Again, some people might see that as extreme, but I have some, I, my one remaining personal training client is 71. I'm 62. And honestly, sometimes he'll come in and he's a plastic surgeon, a very high level plastic surgeon, spends a lot of time in really odd positions, lots of flexion, lots of forward head posture. If he rolls and stretches and warms up for 40 minutes, I'm fine with that. Sometimes we have a 20 minute lifting session and then we go ride the bike at the end of the 20 minutes. Mm. and that works out perfect for me. So I think the biggest thing with adults, like I said, is just to realize that you're not in high school anymore. So don't act like it. Your body's not going to respond like you're in high school anymore. So don't expect it to. But if you treat your body right, you can you can milk a lot of mileage out of it. It's again, the car analogy, right? That you can't roll the odometer back, but you can consistently, you know, get new tires and change the oil and fix your brakes. There's all a lot of things you can do as you're waiting for the chassis to just rust and fall apart. Right? It's no different when we're talking about adults training. Love it. Thank you, coach. If you found today's podcast valuable, please share this podcast with a friend. Also, I'd love to get your feedback on these minisodes. So please reach out to me by email at eric at ericquorum.com or DM me on Instagram at ericquorum. I'd love to know why you find the podcast valuable and what we can do to make it better. 
Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.